Hey guys, coming back to you. I wanted to do a 2022 mock draft of the lottery. Um, it's always interesting for me to record this before March Madness. Um, I know the 2021 mock draft that I did last year got the most views of any podcast I did. So I want to do my 2022 mock draft. And I'm also going to release another mock draft after March as it approached to as it approaches draft time after the playoffs. So um, we'll see how March uh, shifts, how I rank players and whatnot. It's always interesting to see how my mindset uh, shifts on certain players before and after March Madness and uh, all the offseason madness that happens in the NBA. So uh, that being said, I simulated the lottery and then uh, did a mock draft. So uh, this isn't in the order of the standings. Uh, it's actually in the order of a simulated mock draft. I just went to a mock draft, simulated the odds, and this is the order that I got. So the first pick went to uh, the Detroit Pistons. I think that there's three candidates to be a number one overall pick this year. Um, for those of you that follow college basketball, I think most people would agree that those candidates are Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, and Paulo Boncaro. Um, that being said, I think that there's one guy... I, here's the thing about them. There's two of them that I believe have higher upside, but way more risk. And there's one of them that I, I think doesn't have as high of an upside, but their floor is way higher than the other two. Um, so I think Chet Holmgren has the most potential of any player in this draft. He's seven foot. He can shoot. He can put the ball on the floor. Um, he is, he is um, undersized in terms of weight. Um, and it's it's hard to see how easily his game will translate, but he's a great shot blocker as well. His potential is off the charts. That being said, uh, it's not hard to see how a seven footer who's underweight um, and couldn't and can't just back down any center in the league. And maybe it's difficult to see how he'd get by uh, certain players. It's not difficult to see how maybe that would fail to translate and there's bust potential. That being said, I don't think he'll be a bust. But because of that bust potential, guys like Paulo Boncaro become more attractive because he's a 6'10", uh, forward, uh, can shoot the mid-range, can shoot the three a little. I just don't see him being a bust. I think that at minimum, you're getting an all-star with him. He doesn't have the upside of Chet or Jabari Smith. These guys are um, a little bit taller, but it's more that they have so many tools in their bag and certain athletic traits that just make their ceiling so much higher. I shouldn't say so much higher, but higher. Um, so I think because that Paulo is going to be an all-star at some point in his career. Uh, that being said, I don't think he has the potential of Chet and Jabari. And the player that I have the Pistons taking number one is Jabari. And that's because I think he has the best balance of the ceiling and having a floor that's high. Um, at bare minimum, he's one of the best catch-and-shoot players, uh, regardless of position that we've seen in um, a while, in the past few years. So uh, it's almost KD-like. His ability as a 6'10 player to catch and uh, hit threes at an incredible clip. Obviously, he's not KD. The one thing that he's missing, though, is um, a little bit of a dribble package. He can score from all three levels. You know, he can hit contested mid-ranges. He can pull up from three, and he can get to the hoop. Uh, he doesn't have a great uh, arsenal in terms of how he gets to all three of those phases. And that's something that separates him from 
uh, being extremely comparable to KD right now is that, you know, Kevin Durant uh, can shoot over the top of anyone from three mid-range and can get to the hoop. And then his ability to get to all those spots is elite. For Jabari, um, he settles into a little bit more of contested jumpers only because um, his handle and uh, his package isn't as fluid as a KD and um, it makes his life a little bit more difficult, but he's still an incredible player. So I have him going number one and, you know, he's going to work throughout his entire career to improve certain moves and just become a better all-around player, put his handle a little bit more together. So the threat of him beating you off the drive uh, scares defenders. Uh, They might have to give him a little bit more room. And then as a 6'10 player with an elite shot, he could just shoot over the top of anyone given just a few inches. Um, That's who I have the Pistons taking at number one. Um, In the mock draft, the Pacers actually ended up getting the second uh, overall pick. Um, For them, I have them taking Chet. I think a franchise like the Pacers uh, usually does not land big-time free agents. So that being said, you have to draft really well. Um, I do think they did a good job in the Sabonis trade getting a player that uh, in Tyrese Halliburton that I think can be a near all-star or all-star in the future. And being able to draft uh, a player with the potential like Chet Holmgren, who has the ability to average two to three blocks a game every night to average – uh, he has no cap on the amount of points he can score. Seriously, he has, his potential is off the roof. Um, so having that potential and not having to – because they're not going to get free agents necessarily. So they have to bank on uh, growing uh, homegrown talent. Um, and there's no better player in this draft that has that potential. Chet Holmgren has the potential to be one of the best players in the NBA. He also has bust potential, but I think that's a risk that you should be willing to take. Um, if you're a franchise like Indiana, um, that's why I have them taking at number two. At number three, I have the King. It's the Kings that uh, ended up going there, and I have them taking Paulo Boncaro. Uh, that would be a home run for them. He's extremely solid. He can, he fits very well next to De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis. Um, he can step out to the three-point line if needed. He can back people down in the post. He can get a mid-range over the top. Elite athleticism, uh, his defense, because of his athleticism, should translate from year one, if not in the first few years. And I think that that would be very beneficial to the Kings as a team that they're tr- they're in between, obviously, they're a young rebuilding team, but they're trying to, g- they made the DeMontis Sabonis trade uh, to try to pro- propel themselves to playoff contention. And hopefully uh, for them, a young core will develop. And I think Paulo, he's solid. He can play from day one. He can help them make the playoffs. And he'll continue to grow into an all-star caliber player, as I, th- as, um, as I previously mentioned. Uh, he was someone that I actually had going number one for the longest time, uh, just because I think he is going to be an all-star. And I think, um, you know, as I said earlier, I think Jabari and Chet have a higher ceiling. Um, but that's a very high bar to exceed. By me saying that they have a higher ceiling than uh, Paulo, that's no disrespect to him. Those guys have two of the highest ceilings I've ever seen as uh, one of them is seven foot and the other is near seven foot with jump shots and uh, incredible length. So that's no disrespect to him. Um, I think that he's a better player. Um, he's a chance to be a better player from year one. 
um, and even for the first few years of his career, if not his whole career. But the potential of those two, I think, is a little bit higher and is why I have the teams before him taking those guys instead of Paulo. Um, at number four, the Spurs uh, ended up moving three spots in the simulation from where they currently are in the standings. I have them taking Jaden Ivey. I think that there's a clear top four in this draft. Um, Jaden Ivey is someone that you can pair next to, DeJ- to DeJounte Murray. He reminds me he has a lot of Russell Westbrook traits. Uh, a lot of people would have deemed that a huge compliment and and um, high expectations just a few years ago. With the season Westbrook's having, some people might think that that is not necessarily the biggest compliment, but it is. Uh, Jaden Ivey is an explosive athlete. He um, he has a great ability to get to the rim. So uh, from day one, he's he's already going to be a very impactful player with his athleticism on the defensive end and his ability to get to the rim. He should already be averaging 12 to 15 points from year one. Um, and he fits seamlessly next to DeJounte Murray. And he has room to grow on that jump shot. So uh, even though he's not as talented as Russell Westbrook in terms of getting in the rim, he has that type of uh, athleticism and ability combined with um, uh, he has the potential to make shots uh, from the three-point line. So you're not getting uh, Russell Westbrook with a great jump shot, but you might be getting a player that has similar traits to get to the rim. And he still has that jump shot. So no reason to be scared for the Spurs. Up next, um, the Orlando Magic fell four spots to number five in the simulation. Um, and even though they f- they fell in this simulation, I think they should be ecstatic with who they got, uh, who I have them uh, mocked in this, and that's Shaden Sharp. Uh, we don't know if he'll be coming out this year. If he is, um, I think this is about the range he'll be picked. If not, um, he was the number one ranked recruit by a lot of uh, networks, coming into um, the, uh, for next year, and then he reclassified, and now he's eligible to come into this draft. But if he chooses to stay in college, we could be talking about a top uh, two or three pick next year. So um, this is someone that hasn't even played a college game, um, but in high school, they were the number one ranked recruit in their class, and being able to land Shaden Sharp next to the young core that they have would be great. Uh, he can score from all three levels. He has the package to get to all those levels. So when he dribbles up the court, um, you have to respect the jumper. You have to respect his ability to get to the rim. Uh, and he has good start to stop to get to that mid-range uh, with a variety of step backs as well uh, and can shoot over the top because he is, even though he's only 6'6", that gets you, um, that, that still leaves the ability to get shots over certain guards. So um, really a three-level scorer with elite athleticism, one of the most complete prospects in this draft, even though he hasn't played a college game. Um, just really an absolute scorer. Uh, shows playmaking potential. That is something that he could work more on, just working out of ball screens, making certain reads. But uh, you're just seeing right now a, a guy that can really just get buckets, seriously, from all three levels. And um, someone that might struggle with efficiency early on, might take some questionable shots, but uh, he can really score from all three phases and has the ability to get to his spots. So really talented scorer, like I said, could work on some of the playmaking aspects coming out of ball screens, 
but uh, seriously a great a great player that fits seamless, seamlessly along with Jalen Suggs, Cole Anthony, uh, who can play, make, and shoot, along with Franz Wagner and a few of the talented bigs that the Magic have because he is a wing, something that they lack. Um, at number six, uh, the Houston Rockets fell down three spots in the simulation. I have them taking A.J. Griffin. Uh, I think in this spot, the the Rockets are in an interesting situation. I think it's safe to say John Wall is not going to play a single game for this team. And Christian, Mo- Christian Wood might also be on his way out. Uh, that's unknown. Uh, so there were a few guys that I was considering them taking. I think a team that's in the rebuild stage has to bank on getting someone with a lot of potential. Uh, and that's A.J. Griffin for you. Uh, that being said, it's going to be difficult for them, even though I think Alperin and Shangun, uh, who's their center, I think he has a lot of potential. Uh, obviously not, I don't think he's going to be Jokic or anything, but he can do a lot of, a uh, few of the things that Jokic can do. Um, but him and Jalen Green are projects. And when you bank on someone and you keep drafting players that are projects and just high upside guys, Sometimes you end up getting stuck with too many projects and they can't develop all at the same time and you end up uh, getting players that are bust because you couldn't give them the, you can't give three players the keys to a franchise um, and at this young age. So I have them taking AJ Griffin. It is a risk. He is uh, an incredible athlete. Not only can he jump out of the gym and has a good quick first step, um, he's incredibly strong at a 6'6 frame. he, he's already an NBA body, and not only just an NBA body in terms of size, uh, he would be an a- elite athlete by any standard. Um, one thing that I think he's going to struggle with is his efficiency. In college, he's been very efficient, has a great three-point shot, has been able to get to the rim. Uh, there are times where he settles for a lot of step back or fading away threes. There's a lot of times where he settles into his mid-range, but the ability that he has uh, to create shots off the bounce. And then uh, with his body, uh, as he matures and learns to use his body more effectively, he's going to become a more efficient player that doesn't just rely on their jump shot, even though his jump shot is elite. Um, taking step backs and whatnot uh, obviously decre- decreases efficiency. So he's someone that um, is, you don't have to worry about um, certain aspects like uh, if Jalen Green ends up being a star or a superstar and A.J. Griffin isn't handed the keys to the franchise and he's just asked to be a supporting player, at the end of the day, you're getting a 6'6 player that can definitely catch and shoot off the dribble uh, or sorry, catch and shoot and then pump fake and drive to the basket. So he would be a nice complimentary piece. And if Jalen Green doesn't pan out, he's a guy that seriously has star potential with his shot creation ability and his overall strength to get to the basket and get to his spots. Um, so coming in at number seven, the Thunder fell down three spots in the simulation. Um, I was considering giving them another guard because I think the next player that should be off the board, if it wasn't by a team-by-team basin, should be Johnny Davis, who I'll get into in a minute. But um, – even though I think when you pick in the lottery, you can't necessarily focus on positions. I think sometimes you you just have to take the best player available or the guy with the highest upside because most of these teams aren't, um, especially like most of these teams aren't uh, playoff contenders, especially not the Thunder. So it would be silly almost to pass on a better player just for a player that fits with what you have nowadays. 
That being said, if you're building around two point guards, it's hard to see how a 6'5 guard in Johnny Davis um, would fit in. So I think a guy that they could take is Keegan Murray. He's someone that's really emerged this year, uh, is an elite defender, has the potential to be an incredible wing defender at the NBA level. He's 6'8", uh, grown out body, could still put on a little muscle. Um, he's just able, I, I don't think that he has the intangibles. Like I said, he can hit the three and get to the rim. He's tall. He can hit um, kind of like set mid-ranges, so not really off the dribble. Um, his efficiency is going to decline. He can hit it off the dribble, but it's off of a very simple package. So much like I was talking about with Jabari Smith, he can score from all three levels, uh, and he has the defensive potential. But being able to get to those spots, he's going to have to work on different step backs and uh, different dribble moves so he can get from all three phases of the game. But at the bare minimum, he's a guy that's going to be able to defend uh, rim run the floor with good size, good uh, vertical leaping ability, and uh, hit some catch-and-shoot threes off the playmaking of Josh Giddey and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. So he's a guy that really fits in seamlessly um, and then also is a wing that has the potential to score from all three levels. So at the bare minimum, a great, great complementary piece, a plus N, 3 and D wing to put next to uh, – Shea and, and Josh Giddy and that's that's great for the Thunder. And he also has the potential to be so much more and be a forward that can score from all three levels, which, as we know, those are the types of players that control the NBA um, for the most part, like Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, list goes on, um, of forwards that can score from all three levels. Uh, so next in my simulation, the Knicks stay at number eight. Uh, Johnny Davis, I have them taking Johnny Davis. Um, something about New York is always about you got to get the big time, uh, big name athlete. This is a guy I think he's going to end up winning player of the year. Uh, he can score from all three levels. He's 6'5". So there is a little bit of um, skepticism of if he's going to be able to get to his spots and get shots off of uh, when guarded with NBA caliber athletes. But at the college level, he can really hit from all three levels. And it sounds funny, but that's what I've been saying a lot about a lot of prospects this year. Uh, this draft is really talented with three-level scores. For example, Jabari Smith, Paulo Boncaro, Chet Holmgren to an extent, Shaden Sharp, A.J. Griffin, Keegan Murray, Johnny Davis. Like seven of the eight first prospects, you know, Jaden Ivey can hit a mid-range, but it's not necessarily efficient have that three-level scoring potential, and that's so valuable to have in the NBA. And Johnny Davis, he has athleticism, but that being said, he's not as high as players like Shaden Sharp or A.J. Griffin because that athleticism isn't a huge plus. So just like him, they have the scoring ability from all three levels, but they also have the elite either athletic body or, you know, uh, speed plus vertical leap. So he's able to score from all three levels. He's a guy that fits in well with them. They could use some more wings, some more guards. Um, so to pair him next to Julius Randle or whatever the Knicks want to do, he'll be on a small contract, and he's a guy that is just seriously a straight bucket. Uh, we'll see about his playmaking and how that evolves, but so far he's led a Wisconsin team that has some talent but is not the most talented to a great year so far. Uh, he's a guy that we'll see how he does in the tournament. I could see him having 
an incredible tournament. I could also see them being knocked out because I just don't think that their team in general is incredible. But he's a guy that I think March will determine a lot for. If they do make a, even though they are, I believe, ranked 12th in the country right now, if they make a, we'll call it Cinderella run to uh, an Elite Eight or a Final Four, um, I shouldn't call it Cinderella, but if they make a run to the Elite Eight or Final Four, uh, I'd expect him to be the biggest factor in that, hitting big shots, scoring you know 20 to 30 points um, on any given night. Uh, and he will skyrocket up this board probably to even number five or number four. So um, name to watch out. I think March will dictate a lot of where he goes. Um, so really good player at the bare minimum. Should be a guy that the Knicks can just ask for at some point in his career. Um, at bare minimum 15 to 18 or maybe 13 to, to 15 and then uh, has the potential to average in the 20s. So up next, um, the Portland Trailblazers pick at 9 and 10. And I think that they should be, if this scenario happens for them, they should be bouncing off the walls. So uh, they get their pick. Uh, remember, they just traded CJ McCollum to the Pelicans. So they did get a lottery protected pick. Or, or Yeah, so they got a pick that goes to them if it's in the lottery. So uh, the Pelicans would end up giving that pick to the Trailblazers. So it's not a lottery-protected pick. It's the exact opposite. Um, so they have picks 9 and 10, and I have them taking Benedict Matherin and Jalen Duran. They should be ecstatic. Not only do these players fit beautifully next to Anthony Simons and Damian Lillard, they're also players that um, in – draft in other years would probably go in the uh, top five or six. Uh, they're both incredible athletes, and they're guys that you can easily plug in. I think Nurkic is a guy that might leave the Trailblazers next year or might be uh, even traded if there's a signing trader or something. But um, the Blazers are in a weird direction. They have a lot of salary cap ability, and they might go spend on some vets. Uh, or they might decide to blow it up, trade Lillard, or even if not, just trade some of their role players and say, hey, let's build young around Lillard. Let's open up some cap room next to these young rookie, contra- uh, rookie contracts and then hope to attract some bigger free agents and whatnot or hope that these guys develop. Um, so getting Benedict Matherin and Jalen Duran, these are guys that you can plug in right next to them. So Benedict Matherin is a 6'6 wing he can sc- he's an incredible athlete, probably top. And his speed is incredible. His vertical is incredible. Um, and then his jump shot has been absolutely incredible. He's had to take a few less efficient looks uh, that has decreased his efficiency, but he's still shooting at a great clip from three. So he's a guy that uh, playing off the ball from Lillard and Simons is going to be able to get his – his shot and then run the floor. So uh, just a really valuable wing that um, is just going to be a huge plus. So at the bare minimum, uh, Matherin's going to give them someone that can hit threes. He'll be able to defend well, and then um, he'll be a great cutter. So that's something that every team would love on a contender. And then he has so much upside. Uh, he's he's going to keep working on his shot creation and that's going to be someone that he has star potential and and his floor and I mean his absolute floor is just being an incredible uh, player next to that any team would love to have you know shooting open threes and being able to cut 
that's something that any team wants to have off the ball. Um, and then Jalen Duran is out of Memphis. He's a elite athlete at 6'10", um, has touch around the basket, is a great rim runner, and then the defensive uh, potential and already ability is off the charts. So great shot blocker, great rim runner, great lob threat, um, and then around the basket in the post can make a few shots there. So once again, these are two guys that if you have guys like Lillard and Simons uh, creating shots and constantly going off the pick and roll, now you have a guy like Duran that's a lob threat, can defend the paint, uh, can really control the paint on both ends. And then you have a guy like Matherin that can run the floor, uh, cut and shoot three. So these are guys that uh, can fit in as role players on contenders. Uh, and then they also have the upside because of their athleticism and certain traits that make them special. So the Trailblazers have players that can help them win now and then also have star potential. And that's something that the Blazers should be extremely excited for in their position because, to be honest, I don't know if, they're de- if they've decided whether they're going to rebuild or try to contend. If they can land certain free agents, I'm sure they'll want to contend and they can either trade these picks or they can keep these players. And if they decide to keep these players, like I'm saying, these guys can be high-end role players from day one. And if they decide to blow it up, these guys next to Anthony Simons, they do have traits that... that um, if they continue to develop, would make them stars at the NBA level. Um, up next, Memphis Grizzlies get the 11th pick via the Lakers. Um, this was interesting. I think that in reality, if this were to happen, they'd trade this pick. Um, they, I think they'd trade this pick for someone that can help them win now. Uh, if not, someone that's kind of fallen down draft boards and was expected to be picked top three to five at the start of the year is... Uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr., he's someone that um, has struggled even at, at Milwaukee where he plays, which is a lower-end college team. Uh, he has struggled to get by defenders, and it's made him settle for shots. Uh, but he is a wing, and next to John Morant and those guys, they could use a few more wings. Uh, they have a lot of talented role players already. But, um, you know, they're not really looking for too many players that are trying to create the to create shots for themselves. They already have a point guard that's going to be playing 35 uh, to 40 minutes in the playoffs. And he's going to be running pick and roll the whole game and creating shots for others. So they just need a guy that can hit the three. Patrick Baldwin can do that. And um, like I said, I'd expect them to trade this pick because if they're just going to draft someone here that's going to be used for um, kind of catch and shoot threes and a little bit of length on the defensive end. That's just, that's, that's just a three and D player. So I I'd assume they trade that, that pick to someone else who could use Patrick Baldwin's potential of being able to shoot over people. He is six, nine, six, 10 has good mid range and his shot creation um, is good. His just ability to get by people and get himself efficient looks is struggling, but he does have a little bit of KD uh, Gervin-esque traits of his length and his ability to shoot over the top of people. So I'm sure that this pick would be traded. A team would love the potential of Patrick Baldwin, and if the, if the Grizzlies were going to use a guy like Patrick Baldwin anyway to stand in the corner, hit some threes, and defend with his length, that's a player that I'm sure there's some bad teams in the NBA that have, uh, such as like a Terrence Ross. He's not a great defender, but he's a guy that's a great shooter 
and you know the Magic would love to maybe package Terrence Ross and another uh, player, help the Grizzlies win now, and then get a player with potential like Patrick Baldwin. Up next is the Wizards. Um, they're, they're also in an interesting situation with Bradley Beal going. I just have them taking the best player available, who will, and he also has good upside, and that's Ty Ty Washington uh, out of Kentucky. He's really great playmaker out of ball screens, uh, very quick off the bounce, so he's able to get to the rim. He's someone that plays under the rim, um, so not a guy that's going to be dunking on people or anything, but he's a great playmaker, uh, gets to his spots, not a guy that's going to score over the top of people, but a guy that's going to be able to shoot well, run the pick and roll, playmake for others. So a really high-end start, starting point guard is what we're looking at here, and the Wizards should be very happy with that, as they could use that on their team, uh, regardless of if Beal is there or not, because Beal is a player that is a three-level scorer, and you want to relieve some pressure off guys like that from being the primary the primary playmaker as well. And at the bare minimum, Ty Ty Washington uh, is a guy with high upside that can play make for that team from day one and create an elite backcourt with uh, Bradley Beal. And then we'll see what they do with Kristaps. But obviously, there's no conflict there with a, a playmaking point guard next to Kristaps. Um, and then up next, it's the uh, Hornets that are there in the simulation. Uh, this is interesting. This is another team that I could see trading this pick to a team that wants to draft a player with potential, and the Hornets would take back a player that helps them um, really start to rise up in the uh, playoff rankings. Um, if not, I have them taking Kendall Brown. He's a freshman. He's a tall uh, athlete. He shows an ability to shoot it, but for the most part, it's really he's a great defender, which the Hornets lack. Um, and then I don't think he's great at creating off the dribble. I don't think he's great at getting to his spots, and I don't think he has really good shot creation ability, but he knows how to do, make winning plays even as a young freshman. Uh, super, he's super raw, um, so a guy that still has the ability to potentially uh, evolve a little bit more of a handle and shot creation ability, but at the bare minimum, the Hornets could most certainly use a um, player that can just defend, stand at the three-point line, hit a few shots, grab some rebounds, swat some, swat some shots, and that's something they could very much use because they have a lot of scoring and a lot of shot creation and playmaking already. So a great complementary piece for a team that's already young and still has so many things that they can improve on. And then lastly, this was the hardest pick for me to do. The Atlanta Hawks stayed at 14 in the simulation. Um, I think that they're another team that could trade this pick depending on the direction that they go. Uh, the Hawks are young, but they're also trying to uh, win. They made it to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, uh, struggling more this year, even though I think they have a good shot to still make the playoffs. Um, I could see them just drafting a player that has a lot of potential, that's young, um, and then maybe using him as a trade chip in the future and if that's the direction that they go i think the pick would be Jaden hardy this is a guy that is out of the g league right now um i thought he would have a better year than he's been having his efficiency has been horrible uh which we've seen by the way in the g league we've seen guys like uh who come through the g league system like jalen green and kuminga and now hardy um and even dyson daniels struggle with efficiency um, but Jaden Hardy is a guy that um, I see the ability to shoot it from 
deeper than NBA range. Um, and he has a lot of aspects of his game that are kind of like Damian Lillard. Don't get me wrong, not calling him that. But he can shoot it from deep, uh, really quick off the dribble. Um, could use a little bit more of a package in the uh, mid-range area, just getting to his floater a little bit more and getting to his mid-range more. But he does have a good mid-range and he does get a have a good floater. It's just he's obviously a younger player and these are things that uh, develop in the NBA, you know, we see guys like Chris Paul that have that where they have a great mid-range, they have a great three-pointer, they're able to get to the rim, but what Chris Paul is best at apart from his playmaking is finding ways to get to all those shots and knowing when to use it, knowing when to just um, split the split the uh, double team and go, knowing when to, um, you know, do an in-and-out move and just get to the um, – mid-range knowing when to take a floater when the uh big steps up off of a pick and roll if they're if they're plugging the ball screen um so these are things that he's gonna have to learn but he does have all the traits of a great point guard he's just gonna have to learn those little intangibles and how to get to certain areas of his game but like i said that's a player that i think a lot of young teams like a like a oklahoma city like a houston would like to have but that's someone that the Hawks could take, use it as a trade chip, and go on. If not, that's someone that hopefully for them they'd be able to develop. And if that's the case, um, maybe defensively you'd have a struggle if him and Trey Young play on the floor at any point in time. But uh, with that being said, he's a guy that next to Trey Young, the defense might not be there, but offensively you'd have two guys that can hit it from 30 feet and then also um, have great playmaking potential. So. That's the uh, mock draft with the simulation. Uh, After March, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, as it gets closer to draft time, we're going to see how my opinions of these players get uh, altered and and changed and shifted. Um, Like I said, Johnny Davis, Ty Ty Washington, um, uh, even Keegan Murray and, and Paulo Boncaro, these are guys that can rise or fall based on their tournament you know, Paulo Boncaro, even a guy that's at number three, you know, if he has a great tournament and let's say Jabari Smith struggles and, and, and Auburn gets upset in the first two rounds, we could see Paulo end up being in the number one pick or end up being the number two pick just because of a few games in March. There's a lot of scouts that put a lot of, of emphasis on how players do in the tournament. Um, I think it's always interesting to see how players do in the tournament. I don't put an incredible amount of stock in it. But it is human nature to um, to uh, kind of have a little bit of a recency bias and see and when players play in the biggest games to kind of overreact to those performances. So we'll see if I overreact or not to these performances um, in the next um, version of the mock draft. But for now, I hope you guys enjoyed. Thank you.